Good morning. Preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. That's what we do here. And today the text is found in Matthew chapter 25. So let's be ready with Matthew chapter 25 to listen and then to study and then to apply what we learn here out there in our daily living. Matthew 25 starting with verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went out at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. First consideration. Jesus, at this point in his earthly ministry, wants to make certain people understand the concept of 
final accountability. Put that down as the theme in Matthew chapter 25. Final accountability. And by that I mean not only was Jesus giving instruction and example for life here on earth. He was giving instruction to be applied here on earth with a view toward final accountability. He wanted those people and he wants us to all understand that we will stand before him on the judgment day. Matthew chapter 25 is about final accountability. It is about preparing to answer before the throne of deity. And to emphasize this, I want you to look with me at the final verse of Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus has described the righteous and those not so identified with these words. Jesus said, These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. How simple is that? We are all headed to one place or the other. So don't look for neutral ground, no third option, no excuses, no pleading your case based on your perceived idea of your own merit to eternal locations, eternal punishment or eternal life. Everything in Matthew chapter 25 moves in that direction. And it is about being ready. It is about personal accountability in view of that final interview every one of us are headed for. Consideration number two about this passage. There is a word used over and over here that needs our attention just for a moment, please. The word is talents. Because of our common use of that word, we are tempted to just assume Jesus was using the term as we use it today. Well, of course, Jesus wasn't speaking in English. And in the language he spoke, he really wasn't using a word that is equivalent to our common word, talent. We need to understand this word, talents, as it is used in the language and culture of Jesus' time. Common use today is that you're talking about some special skill that you have. Musical talent, mathematical talent, speaking talent, leadership talent, some craft that you have pursued, some human endeavor, and you've spent your life polishing that. And certainly in application of principles in this parable, some of that may be included. But as to terminology, the word talent in Matthew 25 is a portion of money. It was an amount of silver currency. Paul Earnhardt, in his book about the parables, said, The talent in the world of Jesus stood usually for a large weight of silver money. So, as we make our way through the text in Matthew 25, keep these things in mind. This is part of a larger discussion about being ready for final judgment, 
the word talent in this passage is not identical to our current use, but rather a reference to a portion of money. Jesus is using an illustration, and what he wants his listeners to understand is accountability that you need to take into account now because it is your inevitable destiny to stand before God and answer. Now, we're ready to dig into the illustration he used. It has a very simple beginning, a man going on a journey. He calls his servants, and verse 14 says that he entrusted to them his property. Now, uh, there may be circumstances today where you or an employer would give equal amounts to investors or brokers. Suppose you have $1,000 and you have three recipients, and so you give $333.33 to each one and say, do your best. I hope I got the math right. But in Jesus' story, the man divided up the sum according to his understanding of the ability of the three recipients. To one he gave five talents or portions, to another two, and to the third one. And the operative phrase, you can't miss this, in verse 15 is, to each according to his ability. The next part of the story is what these three servants did with what they received before their master returned. The servant with five went at once. He was prompt. This is verse 16. He sent at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. The second servant who had received the two talents doubled what he had received. And then there's this third guy who found a hole in the ground, who dug in the ground and hid his master's money. May I pause here to make the point that this was not their money? It wasn't their money. The transaction here is never described as wages received for work done or just a gift with no conditions attached. And there is no idea these men were able to keep or permanently possess the respective amounts. They were stewards designated with the responsibility to make something of what they had received. To use the talents bestowed upon them for increase knowing they would have to give answer to the master when he got back. I want to spend a few more minutes on this idea of each according to his ability. In the world of construction, engineering, and vehicular transportation, there is a phrase often used, load capacity. Load capacity. If you have a truck, for example, you must guard against loading that vehicle beyond the specified load capacity. Likewise, a forklift vehicle. 
Perhaps you've seen the videos of what happens when a forklift driver exceeds the specified load capacity. So think load capacity. That's similar to this distribution of the master to his servants. He didn't give a man a load beyond his capacity. He didn't give a man a load beyond his capacity, rather each according to his ability. It could be said according to his capacity. But he expected each servant to do his best with what he had, knowing that he, haven't, he hadn't given them more than what they could handle. Now the next part, there came a day of reckoning. What do you have to show, men? I'm back. How well did you use what I gave you that I gave you according to your capacity? They were to use what they received to the best of their ability in view of this day that came, the day of reckoning. The man with five had doubled what he was given. The man with two had doubled what he was given. Not given the same, those two, but they used what they had to the best of their ability. And they are equally praised for their work. These two men, though the amounts were different, both had responsibility. Busy. Taking their stewardship seriously. So they were commended both equally, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, then you've got this guy. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, what you have is yours. You know what this basically says? He did nothing. He had no evidence that he put that talent to work. Jesus doesn't give the man any excuse. Jesus is using this to illustrate receiving something but not doing anything with it. The one talent man illustrates an absence of personal responsibility accompanied by unreasonable excuses. And the master put it in even stronger language than I did. The master said, you wicked and slothful servant. And what this man did not accomplish, the master believed would be accomplished by the other two who had proved themselves responsible. Well, isn't that interesting? You figured out we're not going home yet. What do we take away from this? Number one, we have a master who will return. There is something prominent in the New Testament called the second coming of Christ. That's much more than just an interesting prophecy. 
it isn't just a doctrinal position to be verbalized and argued. It is dead certain. It's going to happen. We have a master who will return. Will you take a moment and in your mind see yourself before him? It is in this context in Matthew 25 where Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now that's not watching the calendar or the clock. It's me watching me. What am I doing with what I've received? What am I doing with what I received? It is my personal awareness of what I need to be busy doing now before the day of reckoning, knowing very well there will be such a day. The Master is coming. There is ahead of every one of us a day of reckoning. Acts 1.11, This Jesus, who was received up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you beheld him going into heaven. And John 14, 3, Jesus said, I come again. You'll be there. I'll be there. There's always a way to give yourself to the master. Nobody is locked into neglect or inactivity. No matter the long list of excuses that might be offered, nobody is locked into neglect or inactivity except those who choose to be negligent and inactive. If my heart is right and I open this book to consume and be nourished by the Word of God, I will discover how I can do my best. I will be motivated to grow and to learn more and to increase what I have in life. Can you pray? Can you talk to other people about the Lord? Can you serve other Christians? Can you contribute to the work of the local church? Nobody needs to languish or wonder what they can do our fear being underutilized. The parable helps us understand we can give of ourselves to the Master. And I would say about every single one of us, whatever we're doing to the Master now in His service, we can do better. Now, comparing yourself to others must never be our primary motivation. I may see in others good examples and receive influence from that, sure. I may learn from observation as I observe others excel and serve well in the cause of the Lord. <clears throat> but observing others cannot be my primary motivation. Primary motivation comes from wanting to serve and please the Master and do my best in serving Him, even if I'm not doing exactly the same thing the other guy's doing. If we're following the same book, praise God for His work and do your own. Praise God 
for His work and do your own. If it's all according to the book. I am a big believer in finding out what you're able to do and doing that to the best of your ability without comparing your ability to others. I must often say to young preachers in training sessions, find out your area of interest and ability and don't beat yourself up because you can't do as well as others in other areas of good work. Make sure it all comes from the book and then you do what you are able to do to the best of your ability. Find what you can do without being burdened by comparisons or competition. Because someday there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This passage says there is an outer place of darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. We ought not to be afraid to say it because it's realistic. Punishment and hell. Not popular topic, uh, topics today, if ever. But in the New Testament, we come in contact with reality. Now, God doesn't try to get anyone sent there. The devil does that. God provides the way of escape, but it is real, outer darkness, and it can well become part of our motivation to use the energy and time we have to show an increase to please the Master, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and not let our lives come to a place where we take what we have and we go out and we dig a hole in the ground. That's the wrong direction. It's the wrong direction. Finally, I want to say, we cherish freedom in our society. We can do whatever we want, stated in the broadest terms. You can be a good steward or not. The country doesn't care. You can spend your life to please the master, or you can make the other choice and ignore the master, or only give him lip service. I'm free to live my life just as I please, but in the end... I shall have to stand there to give account to the one who made me, the one who gave me life, the one who offered redemption through his son, the one who has promised that he will accept to himself those who abide in Christ. Let's give of our best to the Master headed toward that time when we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's be standing while we sing.